back and we 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 welcome 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 we're back after a break but we're back so welcome everyone to the community podcast where we're looking to bridge the gap between community uh in baltimore city and in the world honestly in the world honestly Mm -hmm. and we do that through conversations with stakeholders in the space so that we all have equal voice and equal share in the conversation and in the movement towards resolving some of these issues, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I am here today with two fabulously dope-ass women, and I'm excited. Uh, uh, we have a, a guest, we have a host. This yes. is just a whole new show. So welcome, <laughs> everyone, and we're going to get started. Hello, this is... Your co-host, Gabrielle, <laughs> a.k.a. Gabby, a.k.a. Displays of Love. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Instagram. <laughs> Hashtag Instagram. Joelle Arvea, how's everyone doing? I'm excited to be here for the very first time, but hopefully not the last. Mm-hmm. And I am at Lavender Womanist. Since we're shouting our IGs, I just want to put that out there, you know. Okay. Shameless plug. Shameless. Okay. Shameless all day. Plug it up. And we're just going to plug Communiversity's Insta, which is com, C-O-M-M underscore university mm-hmm. on Instagram and Twitter. Check us out. Follow. So Comment. we have, <laughs> make sure you turn off your phones. Uh, we have a new format and we have gone through the intro, but we're going to go to our next se- section of the show, which is called West Pack. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? That's what we trying to figure out. What's poppin' with you? You know what I'm saying? Well. But yeah, no. Um, what's poppin' is about what's going on in your work, what's going on in your world. Um, so, Joelle, tell us a little bit about what's poppin' with you. What you doing? Well, hey. So, first of all, I know it's daytime, but, like, should I have, like, a nice bright voice? Or should it be, like, you know, nighttime, sultry, and sexy? You know. What do you prefer? Whatever. Whatever you want. I'm, I'm into having my voice sound silky and smooth. Yeah. Um, I want people to be able to digest it. Right. Um, it's important. Point, so, whatever I may fluctuate, though. Yeah. We'll see how I feel. Yeah. I right feel now, like I'm feeling Sade. Y'all's voices sound like butter, and mine sounds like mashed potatoes. Like, the but intent but was but to make it smooth. mashed potatoes but to make it smooth. Oh, but so. I'm like, I'm chunky mashed potatoes. <laughs> they still got butter in them. They do. They're and they're like the best mashed potatoes. I know. But and they taste so good. Nobody yeah. wants no runny but like mashed potatoes. Fair. Like cream of wheat. <laughs> right. What is this? Oh, I don't. We're not going to get into cream of wheat. Okay. I don't. Exactly. Consistency. Consistency <laughs> is important. Texture. <laughs> that's not that's the texture I don't like. So that's what's popping. Okay. Food. Okay. Um, <laughs> but with me, hey, yeah. So I'm Joelle Arvea. I'm the founder of Harp and Sword, which is a consulting firm and advocacy company here in Baltimore. And we do a lot of work around um, using restorative justice principles to ad- advance race and gender equity for women and girls of color. Mm-hmm. And I know it's like a big topic now to not call people of color, people of color, or women of color, women of color, whatever. The point is, um, we work a lot with um, black and Latinx folks. And so that's what we do. And we're actually in a place of transition. We're going to be focusing a lot on elevating women's health, um, reproductive health, sexuality, you know, educating people about menstruation and like ending sexual violence, anything dealing with like um, the woman body. We're going to be doing some advocacy around that. Mm -hmm. 
And um, so that's what's popping with me. Do you have that's any events coming up or anything that you want people to know about so to check out? right now we're doing a lot of collaborations. Okay. Um, I did a lot of trainings over the last year and I got exhausted mm-hmm. and a lot of events um, in October. I had ex- events from October 5th to the 23rd. And now that it's November, I'm kind of chilling out a little bit, okay. relaxing, chillaxing. Um, and so I don't have any events coming up right now. I have a lot of collaborations with some local women's businesses and um, nonprofits in the area, but nothing that I'm uh, I can share at the moment. But I'll keep y'all posted. Okay, okay. And yeah. as they come available, we'll post them and share them to yes. our community on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah. So mm-hmm. y'all have will have access to that. It's um, speaking of working with Black and Latinx communities and health. Mm-hmm. I want to move into today's topic. So today's topic was inspired by a situation that I had at the University of Maryland School of Dentistry. Hmm. So if you do not know, you can go to that school when you have an emergency early in the morning, you get an appointment, um, whether or not you have insurance. It's like a fee of 174. It's like a flat fee and it includes like x-rays and whatever you need. This is just for people who may need access to that. I want you to know about it. So... I have, like, really bad pain. So I go to the school, and I sign up, and I'm like, boom. I get my appointment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm in that thing. You in that thing. So there's, like, two lively black women who are working at the reception. Lively. Okay, that's a nice yeah. adjective. That was a very nice they adjective. They are um, just very bright and colorful individuals. Mm-hmm. You know, you walk in. This is not something, me being from Baltimore, this is not something I experience. Or not from Baltimore, from Oklahoma. So when I moved to Baltimore, it's not something I experience often where people are just like lively, you know, in Oklahoma, people are like, hey, they want to talk to you. They want to be in your face. They want to be in your space, whether or not you want them there. Mm. Um, Yeah. Up to everyone's. When I say hi to people here, sometimes they're surprised. Yeah. Like I'll say good morning and people be like, oh, oh, shoot. (laughs) Good morning. What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) I think they're off guard because nobody says good morning here. That's like a. I have a different right. experience though, but anyway, go back to your story. In okay. black communities, yes. This. Oh, that's yes. what, that's white okay. I don't think I speak. I don't say hello to white people first. Yeah, I try not to. I speak to everybody I didn't sleep with the night before. Like, mm. Mm. Like, so not that's my mama's thing. Huh. So anybody that you didn't like go to bed seeing, you know, like on the street though. Like I just want like to know, like people make into a eye business. contact. I do. Good morning. Hmm. On the street. See, that's yeah. That's a thing in Oklahoma. Okay, so that that's very fair. I'm glad you even said that. It's a thing in Oklahoma where you speak. If you do not speak, it is the, it's the rudest thing, and people are very thrown off. So coming here, where it's like kind of the opposite, mm-hmm. I was I was pleasantly surprised walking into this office, and people were like, "Hi, how are you? How are you doing?" I was like, "Oh my gosh, yes, I'm almost home." But I was also in a lot of pain, so I couldn't be as lively as right. I wanted to be. But mm-hmm. I digress. Your heart so, was there. I'm walking in. Um, I'm filling out this information. There are a couple of people in there, and they were calling up names and stuff. And this one lady walks up, and she does not speak English. Um, and there's a guy there as well who his English is not great, but he can understand some basic things, right? They're not together. However, he's sitting on one side. She's at the reception desk. What she walks she up. She speaks Spanish. Okay. So she walks up um, to the desk, and the lady goes, okay, can I have your date of birth? And the lady just kind of, you know, looks at her because she's a little confused. The form that she filled out was in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So she was just like, oh, they, I wonder if they have someone who speaks Spanish. This is what I'm guessing mm-hmm. she's thinking. And the lady just looks at her and the receptionist is like, oh, I don't speak your language. 
And I was really thrown off by that. One, because it was like, it's almost like she halted trying to help her. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was, it was like work had stopped. As soon as she figured that they didn't speak the same verbal language, she was not going to even try any nonverbal cues, you know? Mm-hmm. Which was a little uh, jarring for me. And then the guy comes over and he's like, you know, trying to translate the things that he understands. Um, and then there are a couple of things he doesn't quite understand. And she's just like, I can't do this. The receptionist this is what she says. Oh, she gave up. With both of them at the desk trying to figure out this information, right? And it wasn't, it was just like some basic information. Are you married? Um, what, if you are married, what's your spouse's name? Their number? What's your date of birth? Simple information like that that's also on the form, mind you, right? Like some things you can kind of look at the form and yeah, just some context clues. Yeah. Like, a spousa is probably spouse, you know what I'm saying? Things like that. So for me, it made me think, whoa, like, how, how do we have this level of tension within two groups who are marginalized, right? Like, why, why isn't there more effort to help them? You know what I'm saying? Because she just was like, oh, I don't speak your language. And stopped, y'all. She stopped. Until another lady came over and was like, oh, Janet is upstairs. She might be able to come down. I'm assuming Janet speaks Spanish and can translate. But she just didn't even want to help at all. And it was just very discouraging to see that you know because we're all kind of we're in a space where we're all especially in this political climate right we're we should probably be working a little more together mm-hmm. you know trying to figure some things out and i was like how do we build bridges right or just understandings of just <laughs> communities you know what i'm saying marginalized communities how do we build bridges between those two you know or what's what can we do? What's the conversation to be had? And then Jackie and I this morning were going through a couple of things where we were talking about um, like the Asian community. Do you want to? Oh, so me and the founder of the organization I work for, um, he is Indian American. And we had like a fundamental conversation because I was like, why do and I'm not sure if I'm being recorded. Yeah, I can hear you. OK, um, why do Indian people use like words mean things so why does why do indian people use brown because optically y'all are black (laughs) and it's like cultural nationality um like those things are different but in terms of race this thing that was made up like y'all are black but i think it's about proxemics to whiteness Mm -hmm. and like if you are brown you are not black Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i'm me and him had a conversation for a long time around like racial tensions and he had an experience that he shared and I was like and he where he believes people were uh, black people were racist um towards him and I was like they don't have power (laughs) and they may have intimidated you and you might have been fearful in that situation but it structurally they couldn't levy anything over you (laughs) um but having that conversation between like dynamics of uh people with oppressed identities or visually oppressed identities mm-hmm. and how we still other ourselves from one another when we're kind of in similar baskets but different baskets right. depending on how palatable the world sees us but just having conversation around like communities and how do you build those things yeah like what's the work to be done around that so today's topic is well talking about our experiences with dealing with those different or observing those different um, situations. And 
also, you know, coming up with a solution, right? Like maybe we can talk through some things that we can start doing as individuals and some things that we can bring into our communities. Ooh. Yeah. Starting off heavy today. <laughs> so I'm glad I have my coffee. We're glad you had your coffee we too. Listen. I heard it was made by a delicious artisan, like coffee maker. Artesian. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. pretty dope. It's <laughs> okay. pretty dope, you know. She does. AKA things. me. <laughs> um, yeah, like this is like a really big um this is a big discussion and I think it's definitely not going to be solved today, you right. know, by any means between the three of us, but I think it's something worth exploring because what you both are describing is horizontal hostility, right? Um, and for people who don't know what that is, I encourage you to educate yourselves because it's important. Um, but essentially it's one Speaking racially, mm-hmm. it's a one racial group exhibiting and using uh, discrimination and discriminatory internalized racism ideals and behaviors towards another racial group. Mm-hmm. Um, so this could be from me, from what you describe, you know, black people not supporting or being discriminatory against this Latinx woman or or Latina. I'm just, I don't know um, their pronouns or it could have been, you know. The Indian guy and the experience he had with black people, too. Like, there's this constant conflict of um, treating you differently because I feel as though I do have power over you or I want to somehow distinguish myself from you in a way that white people distinguish themselves from me. And Mm. let me qualify what the story was. This happened shortly after 9-11. He was in high school shortly after 9-11, and he felt... And because he, cause he is Indian American, um, not being aware of, like, his identities, he was saying that what the black students were saying towards him were hostilities towards, like, Muslim people. And he is not Muslim. He's, um, he's not Muslim, but he visually looked like that. And that's how he perceived it. He, he looks like, like he's Arab. Like he's Arab an Arab or Middle, Middle Eastern. Mm-hmm. And that's where the hostility came from. So contextualizing, it was the exertion of power in that moment because now you are the opposite end of hate. Right, (laughs) right. And power also comes from fear, right? Mm -hmm. So when people have fear, they start to exhibit or create things that allow them to have power over other people. And it it all stems from ignorance at the end of the day. And it's unfortunate that it continues. And I'm sure that we have stories of, you know, having different experiences with people from different races. I know that I have, especially having lived in different countries and worked with different groups of people. So it's there. And I think people don't understand that what they're doing is actually upholding white supremacy Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, racism, white supremacy, all these um, terms that we call power can't exist without brown and black people. It legit cannot exist without us because we are the majority in the world. That's why I hate the word minority, even though it mm. kind of is cl- true mm-hmm. in the language. United States. Yeah. But I Words hate using the word minority because we've never been a minority. Like people of color have never been the minority ever. Right. And yet we somehow use this term regularly. Um, I would say we were socialized to use that term, though. Oh, too. Yeah. You know, like it's something that because I absolutely. I mean, I used to hear it all the time. Now, I was a minority in Oklahoma. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, there aren't very many black people Mostly in Oklahoma. Mostly white, homogenous you know areas. Yeah. So, in those areas, it made sense, right? And it was like, oh, yeah, I guess I am, you know? But when I would go other spaces, I'd be like, oh, wait. 
mm-hmm. there's more of us. Like, we're everywhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But it's also like, why do we even use the word, like, mm-hmm. minority? Like, because what you're really saying is it's a person of color. It's a black person mm-hmm. or it's a person from a group that's racially not white is essentially that. Yeah. So why not use that instead of using minority? We don't use majority to describe white people. We say white people or we say dominant society or we say Caucasians yeah. for some people, which I think is also false. Yeah. 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 Colonizers. Yeah. You know, yeah. Shout out Wakanda. <laughs> and so I think like, like you said, we've been socialized to use these terms like minorities as a way. I think in, in a lot of ways it, we internalize this idea of being a minority. Yeah. That I am lesser than. And therefore, mm. other people are also lesser than, but I'm not as less as you. That's so that's where the horizontal hostility comes in. And so we, since I don't know their stories, I don't know what experience they've had, but I'm saying, I'm thinking that from my experience, I can understand the hostility. I don't condone it, but I can understand where it comes from because it comes from ignorance of like, here I am going through dealing with what's, you know, what I go through every day as a black woman. And then I also know that this Latina person um, also has experiences, but I feel as though mine is worse than hers because I don't know her experience, or I feel like she may have an advantage over me because she's not quote-unquote black, which is also another topic That's because there's so many Afro-Latinas yeah. and Latin uh, Latinx people that get um, pushed aside, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's this misunderstanding of, like, I feel that she is better than me or has a better chance at succeeding or getting a job or, like, believe in that rhetoric that they're taking their jobs or taking something from me and I've been struggling so long that now I'm going to exhibit this hostility because it gives me some type of empowerment when in reality it doesn't it just continues to uphold white supremacy and like um same thing with 9-11 I know many people um including people in my family who have said harmful and hurtful things about people who they believe are Muslim or Arab and not understanding that Muslims come in all races and Mm -hmm. colors. Shapes, sizes, just like black people. And also that just because someone's Muslim doesn't mean that they are going to be violent or be a terrorist. So, um, fun fact, I lived in Egypt. Oh, um, okay. Yes. Julia has traveled the world. (laughs) For a while, like uh, like a long time. Um, In 2008, so after 9-11. And even then, like my family was just like, why are you going to go over there? It's a Muslim country. They're violent. Mm. Um, at the time I was Christian and they were just like, they're going to persecute you. And like, they're just evil people. And like, don't take any valuables with you. Like they were just instilling wow. all of this fear into me because they really didn't know. It's just, but that, like, I feel like black families, I feel like that, that happened to me. I had a similar experience where, um, I didn't go to Egypt, <laughs> but you've also traveled the world. <laughs> well, like it was, it was one of those things though, that my, um, my family would say despairing things about people who were Muslim and it was, it would always confuse me right now. I was raised Christian by my grandmother though. So my mother isn't exactly (laughs) on the religious spectrum or she's somewhere on the religious spectrum where exactly we don't know. Mm -hmm. I would call her agnostic. Okay. And so my grandmother would say all these horrible, awful things. And I go to my mom and I'd be like, yo, why is she saying this stuff? Like, aren't, aren't they suffering just like we're suffering? You know, like, aren't they going through things just like we're going through things? And my mom was like, she feels like she has some power being Christian. She feels like because she believes she is the, the dominant religion or because she is but she's the not, only, not the, the chosen, chosen, the chosen religion. Chosen, that's exactly what I was about what to is. say. The chosen religion. It's not even Christianity. Chosen not religion. It's like this. She had this um, sense of 
I don't, I don't know. She felt like she had some sense of authority to speak on how people mm-hmm. lived their life and how they should live their life. And it was just, it's very odd. It was just like, Whoa. It is, but it isn't because thinking about it was odd watching it play yeah. out. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like seeing my grandmother and the values that she would tell me she had. Yeah. And then like the things that she would say, it's how the things cognitive mean dissonance. Yeah. It is. yeah. I was about yeah. to say it. And I think we and cultural are dissonance, I cultural. Think. And then yeah. seeing how it seeps into institutions. So, right. Yes. We've been talking about it on an interpersonal like experiences, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but how does that then seep into like this horizontal hostility? How does that seep into institutions and practice? Right, and that's like Christianity as a like as a religion and a thing, but also in the structures around like religious based institutions. Mm-hmm. How does that hostility then play out? And because it's like if you're a part, of, you're going to be a part. Sorry, as a human, you're going to be a part of multiple communities. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like they seep into all of the communities that you enter into all of these biases kind of just they follow you where you go you know and it's it's very interesting to watch it play out that's what I will say because I was I would be observant of the things that she would do and say and for me I was like there's some type of I don't understand it, especially as a kid you know in middle mm-hmm. school where I was just like what what do you mean what are you talking about or elementary no 9-11 happened in I was 11 yeah you're younger than me I was in middle school yeah I was older yeah Mm-hmm. Just okay. that much younger. Than <laughs> year, but I'm not that much younger. <laughs> I was in middle school. That's what I was like. Uh. Um, I was in middle school, but I was I was homeschooled for part of middle oh, school, okay. so I just remember being at home when it happened. Mm. Um, and then just like the conversations my family was having, I was just like, uh. but it's almost the same thing. Like with, and I had this conversation with my aunt about like homosexuality, right? And where it's just like she grossly does not believe in it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what you gotta believe? Why are you caring about somebody else's genitals? Why do you care so much? I don't get it. Mm-hmm. You, because you were never upset. Or I told her I was bi, and I was like, you just were never upset when I, when you thought I was straight. You were never asking about my genitals then. You know, like now all of a sudden it's a topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. That's a different. You know, that's, that's a different yes. conversation. <laughs> yes, is, I'm just I think thinking it's also worth exploring. But like with um, the 9/11 and like this idea of. Um, Christianity and how people view others. I think it comes back to like our obsession with humanizing or dehumanizing people. And so Mm -hmm. we feel as though because they are, people are Muslim or because they are a different race, they deserve less humanizing or they're not as deserving of this human life or this human experience as I am. And so they justify violence and extermination and harm done to, like for example, Palestine. My dad and I, we've had many debates about Palestine and Israel because when I was in the church, I got so frustrated that every single week there was like a topic about we got to stand with Israel. And I'm like, why Why the fuck am I going to do that? Oh, I'm sorry. Can I cuss? <laughs> yeah, yeah, girl, oh. you're good. <laughs> um, why the fuck would I do that? Like, what do you mean stand with Israel? They're literally killing people. And, and dad was like, well, you know, we got to stand with our brethren, the Israel." you know, um, Jewish people, the Israelites, or they are the chosen people. They are the ones who belong there. And it's like, you do know that state was formed in 1948. Yeah, I was right. to say. Right. On Palestinian land. Right. Um, you do know how that kind of happened, right? And most people don't. And that's, um, but that's the other thing, which you were talking about, yeah. ignorance, right? Yeah, ignorance. Just ignorance. Yeah. They just buy into this rhetoric of like, okay, Israel, not understanding like, okay, there were like Europeans who came from Europe, settled in this place, on this land and have been 
slowly but surely, well, not slowly, but like over the years, taking up more and more and more land and telling them like, you just got to leave. You got to go. Or we'll compromise. But you're illegal. You know, in like your people own can... land, and it's just like, and then also when I was if in Egypt, I did go to Palestine. Way of life everywhere. It is <laughs> everywhere. So when I was living in Egypt, I went to Palestine, um, and I was just so blown at how much the media and Christianity and my church and my com- my community at the time had made me buy into these ideals that you know, Palestinians they need our help, they they need to be saved, and like. We know what's right. And then I get there and I'm seeing, I'm volunteering in refugee camps. I'm talking with um, mothers who, whose families, like their homes were just bombed out of nowhere. Mm. Um, husbands gone, mothers gone, children gone. Um, and for what though? Like I'm taught that they are like really, really violent and we have to like, the only way to like solve the issue is to like drop bombs and drones and things. And it's like, you go there and you talk with people and it's like, they're living normal lives they are and they're humans. just being attacked. They're yeah. humans. They're, they're humans. humans. And yeah. I was like, this is, I've and been so lied to about, yeah, <laughs> about yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, and that's really when my mind started like clicking, like, okay, I can't believe everything that I'm taught and told. I need to learn for myself. And so going back to like horizontal hostility, I think this is why many people need to spend more time, especially um, people of color, even if you don't like that term. You know what I mean? We're going to um, have a whole episode, I feel like, we on need to talk language about and words. And shout out to Crystal from the Weed, because words yeah, do mean things. words mean things. She's, she was on point, right? Like, yeah. They absolutely do. A simple declaration, words mean things. But they it's do. the Words truth. matter. Um, but yeah, it's like... I think people need to spend more time with each other about understanding that we're more alike than we are different. And I know we've said that many times or I've said it many times, but the more I live this life and I walk this earth and meet different people from different cultures, I really do see that. Like even like this weekend, like it's the day of the dead or people calling it like Dia de los Muertos or whatever. There's also, you know, Day of the Dead in Haiti today, mm-hmm. which I will be celebrating. Oh, and yeah. there's okay. like other like cultures that do the same thing around the same time. And it's like, that's not a coincidence. <laughs> that's so funny. I, yeah. I was legit just saying this earlier today. Yes. <laughs> earlier this morning, I was just like, we're so similar. There's so many things that are just, I, it, it is, um, in living different places, mm-hmm. right. And having different experiences with people and you see how much alike we are. It blows my mind that people would want to focus on what we're, what's different about us. Cause it's, it's not really even that big of a significant difference really, yeah. to be honest with you. It's like, it's almost like we make things up sometimes or things are made up and you're like, but well, that's the thing. I think different. people focus on like, celebratory things like the guy yesterday in the uber when i was like oh are you greek we were talking about fraternity mm-hmm. and sororities and he was like i'm jamaican and i said <laughs> well yes that is exactly what i wanted you to say like mm-hmm. you are jamaican but i think there is a level of people have pride and pride in where they're from and pride in, in their who they are and their heritage and their traditions and sometimes it's hard to give up a, or people feel like they're giving up a piece of that to join in the collective but I'm I'm not saying take away that pride. Be prideful, and I and I yeah. agree with it, right? But you don't have to take someone's humanity in order yeah. to be prideful. That's the only thing is that I feel like you pride can exist without hurting someone. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes people don't believe that that's true, or they don't they're act not as mutually if that's true. Exclusive. You know, they're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> to be prideful. You can be prideful. You can be proud to be Jamaican and Haitian and 
African-American because I don't really have, <laughs> like, you know, I don't know where my roots come from. But, like, yes, you can totally be okay with that. It's great to celebrate those things, really. I, mm-hmm. I feel like it's a celebration of you. It's a celebration of your being, right? And I am all about celebrating, all about a good time. But what's so interesting to me is that people feel like sometimes, and this is the experience that I have had, is that in order to celebrate, I have to dehumanize someone yeah. so that I feel better about this celebration somehow. When really, you don't have to do that. It's not necessary because you can still celebrate, still have a great time, and leave people be, right? And then also just find some similarities. We got two Day of the Dead. Whoa, right? What, those, yeah. That's amazing. Let's have a conversation. Versus being like, well, ours is better. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because that's usually the conversation has. And I think like some things that have happened in the last like year, a couple of months in Baltimore City have like highlighted those things. Mm-hmm. And I was telling... Yeah. Gabby this morning about the midnight uh what was it the midnight market uh it was like night market yeah the, yeah, the I'm trying to get the, the midnight market when it has a charm Asian. city yeah. night like, market yes. I want to make sure we get the Asian exactly markets. and yeah. prior to that like prior to even hearing about that at impact hub um from like members it was like what is that is there chinatown there is no chinatown in baltimore mm-hmm. city mm-hmm. but that gave me some insight and i went and looked at like the research or what has been published about it but that was a way of celebrating if you bringing... would have told me that i wouldn't have had any idea that there was a chinatown in baltimore truly historically historically, oh, historically, yes. historically and we were like it's a little korea off of charles street but mm-hmm. not right. not necessarily a chinatown but it's that opportunity to celebrate Mm -hmm. because it's all in this city and baltimore city is a city of communities Mm -hmm. with different cultural backgrounds so it's like this is one that i had not yet experienced and roots because i also mentioned roots and rastis Rastis, yeah yeah uh uh, valeria Mm -hmm. says she um has been doing that around the Mm -hmm. arts um and culture scene around immigrant artists and musicians in order to support, highlight, and celebrate importance of immigrants in Baltimore City, mm-hmm. focusing on Latinx um, artists and stuff like that. But it's like there's space for celebration. Mm-hmm. There's space for uniquely like celebrating those things, but also working together. And that's the thing I'm seeing popping up more around like things in this city because I feel like Baltimore operates on this very black and white binary. Yeah. <laughs> and we forget everybody in between in terms of service um, in the city, unless you're tapped into those niche pockets. I feel like, and I could be wrong, but based on my experience, I don't think, I think celebrations are great. And I think people are more forthcoming in participating in celebratory festivals or events or like themed nights. Mm -hmm. I think the tension comes in when we have to talk about or want to highlight our different oppressed experiences yes because then it's like the oppression olympics and oppression then olympics <laughs> and then that's when <laughs> I yes think that's where the tension comes in i think i've never had an issue with celebrating other cultures or being invited to other places for like diwali or like um other things that happen um around the world that i've been a part of but the issues come and the tensions come and the uncomfortable Airs come when you start talking about like yes and you still have privileges as this i have privileges i actually have i had the most triggering i think i told you about this the most triggering conversation 
Was it not you? Maybe not. Anyway, tell, I had a very triggering me, conversation like, with a black man the other day. Oh, no, you did tell me this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very interesting. I don't know if I Which should is tell a, the whole thing, but it's like I mean, the tension started when we started explaining. We might do a topic on this later. Okay. The tension <laughs> came when we started talking about differences. And so this is someone I've known for a couple of years. Hadn't really seen him in a while. And he was like, let's go out to lunch. Cool. I like to eat. Bet. So we go out to eat. And he's like asking questions about like, um, it started out with like, I don't want to, I'll just go to the main thing yeah, go to because the main like thing. it led up to several, there were several arguments. Um, but anyway, many arguments, but the main one was like, what are your thoughts about the police? And I was like, how broad of a question is that? Like, that's so random. What do you mean? He's like, how do we get them to stop killing our black men? And I said, and our women and children and trans folks, yeah, that's a big topic. And he was like, well, you know, trans people are also also women and men. And I was like, yes, and they can also be, and I can also identify them as trans people because that is part of the reason why they are being targeted. brutalized and targeted. And he was like, well, by you distinguishing them, by saying trans, you're separating them from men and women, and they are real women and men. And I was like, yes, and also by using trans, I'm acknowledging my privileges as a cis woman. And recognize they have a different lived experience than me because I am not trans. And I know that that's a different experience, even though they are real women, real men. They're still being targeted because they are trans and that needs to be highlighted. But more importantly, I would like us to move away from the narrative of that only black men are harmed by police. Mm. Yes. Mm. And Mm. so, yes, this is where it all kind of went downhill, you know, into the Alice in Wonderland hole. (laughs) That's the line in which the wardrobe. All that stuff. Like I... He was just like, yes, but also, like, you know, black men have been through a lot. And I was like, yeah. And so black women and children and trans people. And trans people. All the people that I aforementioned. (laughs) See see previous message. Um, C through E, actually. (laughs) Address what I just talked about. I mean, if you like to refer back to. Are you a visual learner? (laughs) Ten seconds before. Let's roll the tape back. But anyway, (laughs) I was just like. Well, also, like, yes, black men have been harmed. We know this. And they still have privileges. And he was like, well, wait, wait, wait. In black society or white society? And I said, what? And society. society. I said both. (laughs) Society. And he was like, and this is when he started, like, raising his voice, which was very triggering for me. And was in front of people, you know, watching us. I'm like, explain to me how black men have privileges in white society. And I was like, the fact that you're even asking me that lets me know that you have no idea about your privilege and I encourage you to go educate yourself with other black men because just like I tell white people it's not on me to educate you about how you are part of the oppression for me and and also the fact that you feel comfortable enough to raise your voice at me in this public space is a problem that's a privilege that is a privilege that is your privilege coming out and I did tell him that he mansplains because he kept talking over me he kept trying to explain my thoughts to me before I expressed them we're gonna have to do that. an episode on that but like th- that's my point though like i think we're fine when we're like yes like for that situation yeah yes black people we love black people let's celebrate us we love each other mm-hmm. but as soon as i'm like yeah we need to focus on all black people not just black men oh wait a minute what do you mean i have privilege yeah. and same with La- i've had this discussion with um latinx folks with yeah. um even some people who are african like some of the mm-hmm. privileges that they have being chosen to choose to come as immigrants right, right. um of course i've had this conversation with white people i've had this conversation with some of my indian friends too and it's like yes i understand that you have a lived experience that allows you to be 
also oppressed and on the spectrum of whiteness and anti-blackness mm-hmm. there are varying experiences and i'm not saying my experience is worse than yours just that it needs to be highlighted more because it's not being highlighted and if anything people are excusing it away or like trying to say i need to wait in line mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we need to have that conversation and that's where i feel like people get really tense that's of like you know what, what do you mean I, I work for a social justice organization and i go to canada a lot and what i've noticed is that there so here we there are pockets of people trying to have those conversations or just making those conversations mm-hmm. like that that's why we're fun. here right right exactly but when i go there people first they are like well you're <laughs> over exaggerating right you're like no oh things are fine you're you're over exaggerating oh and they're like especially here i mean like here we're just untouched by it and it's like no 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 boo boo you have two towns that might have Diversity, Vancouver and Toronto. Okay. Also, the history y- y'all are on stolen land too. Stolen yeah. land, but okay, right? Yeah. Very, but like, but when it comes to Black people, spe- like specifically, oh, okay. um, and going into like Toronto, Toronto's one of the most diverse cities in the world. Drake That's- got them out here wilding, thinking <laughs> they diverse. So they um, legit will. It's like those conversations can't be had because there's no space for them. Mm-hmm. There's no, there, there's not room for it. It's mm-hmm. like it's not even like wait in line. It's like what line? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what just work you, harder. What are you talking about? Yeah, you should just do better. You should just be better. And you're like, excuse. Me. But that's also because I haven't found very many people who are descendants of slaves in, in those spaces. Toronto. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or in Canada. In, in Canada. Yeah. Like, it, so it's very interesting. Where it's like. We need to highlight it. We need to talk about the privilege. Then people who just like shut down the conversation completely. Spaces that shut down. That's why the conversation because completely. A large fight of like black enslaved, formerly enslaved people that did go to Canada. But they came most. A lot of times they came back. So after um, they were looking for family members, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? They would sometimes they would go to like Michigan yeah. areas like, like that. Nova Scotia. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Like Nova Scotia in that area where they mm-hmm. kind of fled up the. Coast, yeah, they it, a lot of times they came back down, trickling back down. I don't now. Don't give me started on history. I don't want to start lying to people yeah. <laughs> about anything. But there's this is why not people should read for themselves, right? Like, <laughs> right. Research everything, people. Yeah, right. Research everything. Ask questions and, and question answers. That's yeah. what that's my motto in life. Ooh. Yeah, but like truly, it it was interesting to me where I was like, so you got, so no one's going to fight here. Like we're not going to say anything. So it, when I do say something, I am the aggressive one all the time because I just because. It, if I like mentioned it at all, it's like, oh, you're being aggressive. Why are you talking about the fact that you're oppressed in some way? That's weird. You're a victim. And you're such like, a victim. Uh, ex- excuse me. Yeah. You know, sir. I had this one guy tell me he was like, I'm, you know, I'm a tall black man in Canada. I have advantages. Uh, aura. Oh, okay. All right. What? So it's it's very interesting that the, there's like this huge spectrum about conversation to be had about privilege and oppression and the oppression of olympics <laughs> because people think it's like oh it means i have to be called a nigger uh, that right. that means mm-hmm. like racism is here or i have to be people attacked by police in order to experience level. racism they don't understand how nuanced and sophisticated it is now mm-hmm. um or and they think that been. if or it's racism i feel like it's gotten always more been. sophisticated though like at one point it was very explicit and now it's kind of like it's grown with the think, times but if you think about the architecture the country, the institutions, they were intentionally architects with racism, like racism and race in mind. Mm-hmm. So it's like, was it 
always a simplistic. No, it was very finite and clear True. from the from the foundations. Yeah, and it seeped out, and now we see it more explicitly. But yeah, it, 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 it just was what, always there. Yeah, and very my, meticulously crafted to exclude gender, at like yes, women yes. and people of color, especially in the beginning, especially yeah. black people. Like that was intentional yeah. in a way that I'm like. Oh, it was their asses wasn't dumb. It was blatant. Yeah, yeah. But it was that's what I mean. Like it was more very. It was very like violent. Like at one point, it was like you know genocide of native people. There was like you know raping of women. Then it was enslavement. Then it was reconstruction and lynching, and then also continued rape of women and things like that. And it's I think it was like more in the public eye. The punitive system, but well, also like like take lynching for example. Like when lynching. regular lynching the normal right. lynching like the, vi- the vigilante lynchings were happening mm-hmm. um you know the prison system wasn't as sophisticated as it is now but then once the prison system started happening with like convict leasing and things like that and more people being put into prisons more people were being legally lynched by being sent to death mm-hmm. so it's like we're not hanging you from trees, even though someone was hanged from a tree last week. Yes. Um, but like, we're not hanging all y'all from trees anymore, but we're still going to execute you, but under the law. That, so that's yeah. what I mean. Look like at, legalizing uh, it. What's the book? Slavery it. by Another Name. Yes. And then it's another book that talks about how every, like everything was systematically done in the punitive system. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote a paper on this in law school and the professor at the time, who was a white guy who, always reminded us that he marched with Martin Luther King right. as did thousands of people but whatever right. um, he was like I don't like that you're calling this legalized lynching but I was like capital punishment if you follow like you really study vigilante lynchings the decrease of that quote unquote and the increase of like capital punishment and like legalized like killing of black people it was the same number of black people still being killed just in a very different way mm. and so I was like you can't really call it anything else like it is legalized lynching i wanted to make a a comment about what you said he said he didn't like the he doesn't like that you call it that and i think a lot of times when we talk about things that we go through and experiences we go through Mm -hmm. it makes white people uncomfortable and that's why they don't want to talk about it and it's like this is not about you being uncomfortable this is about my lived experience and how we can change it because this is a system that you created you know what I'm saying? Or right. actually, you change it. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow, I got to fight for it, too. Like, right. you and, created this. And if you're change. interested, Beyond Slavery by Another uh, slavery by another Name, Race and Crime by Green and Gabadon is also another good book about that. Yeah. It's just, it's a, they go back to, they're like, I don't like the way that feels. You created this feeling. Yeah. You created that. I didn't create this feeling. And then, like, going back to, like, the horizontal hostility, I think when we have this understanding and this narrative, and then when we have, like, Asian people who are considered, like, model minorities Ooh. and who are kind of propped up above or, like, being, like, the models that other, quote-unquote, minorities should follow, they also start adopting this notion that, like, you know, all you got to do is work hard, keep keep Pull the money within the community. So Hassan, Masa- Hassan Minaj on Affirmative Act, on Patriot Act, his show on Netflix, addresses in his Affirmative Action mm-hmm. episode where he was talking about how Asians are... Well, some Asians or the Asian community, and he lumped them all together. That's why I'm lumping everybody together, and he addresses that at the beginning. But talking about how Asians are willing to hang their hat on affirmative action, and and it's really not going to benefit them in the end, and how it's that dissonance, like mm-hmm. you're talking about. But 
Everybody go and check that out. I had Gabby watch it this week. Yeah, it was really good. It was very interesting. It's like a lawsuit against Harvard. A Harvard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that about the admission of um, Asian students. They feel like they were discriminated against. And they're favoring other minorities of, because of affirmative action. Yeah, when mm. Harvard like it's had very 20, white. very white, but also pretty highly Asian yeah, at 22%. So like what was it? It was like 5% of the popula- population. US population is Asian, and then 26% yeah. Asians are admitted to Harvard. And so they he was were, like, we're doing good. Like, yeah, and the, how and it goes on in the episode to talk about like Abigail Fisher and Backy versus California oh, and how Abby. like, yeah, keep crying, mm. Abby. Um, but talking about how the lawyers that have been trying to really deconstruct affirmative action have used white people and it has kind of worked with Backy and Allen versus like Michigan and California, but they realized that Abigail Fisher wasn't the one to hang their hat on. So now they're trying to tag on to the lawsuit with Harvard um, because they know another minority group saying it has more onus and right. argument because affirmative action also benefits so so let's go ahead and move on to our next section which is um right the point the point of having this conversation um the point of us talking about just all of this cultural dissonance truly mm-hmm. uh in a way and horizontal hostility and horizontal you, hostility Joyo, yes. for I was, offering that i was just trying to figure out what this i was like she said horizontal but i was like i don't know the next word <laughs> I'm just gonna wait till someone. You're just gonna put it. The horizontal. I got you. Horiz- horizontal. The horizontal hostility. hostility. Yes. So hostility. thank you for that term. Um, I appreciate that. I'm gonna add it to my lexicon. Um, so yeah, what do you think the point of having these conversations? Like, what's the point of having these type of conversations about cultural dissonance and um, horizontal hostility? Because our lives depend on it, literally. Like we, again, we are the majority in the world, and yet we're still operating under this white supremacist these white supremacy ideologies because we think somehow they're going to better us or somehow it's going to make us feel better when in the reality we're all we got yeah. at the end of the day and I think <laughs> I'm sorry I'm going to chime in yes <laughs> but yeah like our lives literally depend on it our communities depend on it mm-hmm. our cultures depend on it you know we have Trump wanting to deny citizenship to U.S. born children. We have, you know, He's black so people, even my aunt saying that we're so different from Africans and Caribbean people. Are we though? Right. We're not. Like people still are buying into this notion that we're different and therefore we need to treat them differently or they're going to come and take what I have. We're in this very competitive and um, this competitive state and this, I, this belief that we are living in scarcity when really we have all the resources, all the resources we have in the world come from our countries in the Caribbean. Right in Africa or all the continents in Africa as Raven called it. <laughs> um, but it comes, there's a Bless reason people heart. are going, <laughs> she's on our sick. She's blessed. She's blessed. I feel like she just needs to ignorance. Is- she is on the sick and shut in list along with she's Voldemort touched. and like, yeah, I feel mm. like there's, there's the level of voluntary ignorance that she displays is uncanny. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Voldemort for people who don't know is what I call Kanye West. So, he is also he came to the light he who shall not be named he he who shall not be named um 
I'm but still he not is, a fan, but whatever. I'm not either. He I, is still on the second shot in list. I'm glad he's coming back to his senses, but you I don't I don't I don't think him saying that he's not gonna be involved in politics is him coming back to his senses. I think that's him saying, Oh, I've been attacked too much in the public eye and I'm uncomfortable with it. Second shot in list. That's what <laughs> my blessings. <bad>. Love y'all. <laughs> um but yeah, I think it, it all comes from us believing we live in a state of lack and that we have scarcity and that that's a, that there's not enough for all of us mm-hmm. and also that we are all very different and therefore we need to adopt these like very eurocentric ideologies of survival when in reality all the resources all the things that we have ever needed or used in this world have come from our ancestors right. all of our ancestors all of the people of color ancestors everything from food religion math science um astrology spices Mm -hmm. hygiene Mm -hmm. like traveling everything has come from us so all we need to do is stop buying into this stop allowing white supremacy to continue because it only continues because we allow it to continue Mm -hmm. and live a better life because i don't honestly i've for a long time i debated having kids because i'm just i don't know if i want to bring them into this world yeah. And where would I live, you know? Mm. Mm. So, like, I, yeah. our lives depend on it. That's the point. Absolutely. Our lives depend on it. And I want to better, I want to love where I live. Yes, yes. girl. Yeah. Ooh, I don't even have nothing to add to it. Exactly. Oh, my God. Oh my God. I did that. You, you did. <laughs> you did. You okay. What? That. <laughs> what I do? What I do? That was what you did. <laughs> That's going to be the sound bite we use after, like, good the point is, like, you did that. What did you do? That. That. <laughs> All caps. All caps. Dead. Okay. Um, that, yeah, that's it. Gabby, do you have any, like, thoughts around, like, this, like, where do we go? I was going to ask you the same thing. That's, that's so funny. Uh, I, I wonder. <laughs> um, where do we go from here? Honestly, I think that, yes, our lives depend, they depend on it. Like, we truly have only each other to lean on, you know what I'm saying? And so I feel like the only way to kind of start getting through that, I don't know, is by conversation, right? Because mm-hmm. all it is is ignorance. And if I'm not saying that you have to go out and educate anyone, right? Because it is not your job. Your shoulders are not wide enough. It is not your responsibility. Mm-hmm. However, I think that we should just find spaces in which we can have these conversations um, so people can even know this is something I need to look up. Because sometimes people just don't know where to start. That's what mm-hmm. I will say is that sometimes people are just like, you know, what do you type in Google? How to not be racist? Like, that's it's not going to pop up with a whole lot of things for you. Um, you need to look at some history, right? We need to have, mm-hmm. have, have some conversations about history. Have some conversations Reading about... Reading is fundamental. Yeah, where these things originated from, you know? So... Um, the more you know. The more you know. So I think that, you know, in my... What I'm going to bring it back to and how I'm going to try to connect it is having more conversations because... Um, I was thinking about the situation at the dentist's office and like, how could I have said something? You know what I'm saying? Cause you can bystander. Yeah. I was about to I, say. Me being a bystander didn't help either. I was just no, willingly allow that to go too. on. You know like, what I'm saying? Call stuff out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So to exist. we have to be able to do that. You yeah. have to be start being comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Like mm-hmm. it's necessary because, um, me as a black woman could have spoken to a mm-hmm. black woman and be like, 
girl, you don't have to say all, like, you don't have to do all that. Let me find a way to help you. Or you, you know what I'm saying? Or you could have used context clues, like you said, and been like, her spouse is here. Espresso right. Is right. There. Or just even me going up to the desk. Yeah. Right. And Instead of just sitting and watching and showing in that space. Not just talking about it. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's what I expect white people to do. Right. Mm. I expect them to call out other white people. I don't, I, True. I do not expect another black person to come over and have a conversation with a white person about how they were wrong. I expect another white person to be like, yo, you know, you should probably check your privilege in that moment because that's, that's the only way somebody's really going to be receptive one to what you have mm-hmm. to say. Um, and two, then you can start to create a level of behavioral change, which is what is necessary. Yeah. And not like participating in any more racial jokes either, or like racial yes. commentary. That's something that I've learned to do within my family and friends of like, mm-hmm. Like, they'll just be like, oh, my gosh, I, I bet you this person who can't drive is Asian. And I'm just and I'd be like, whoa, like, that's unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. You can't drive, auntie. So let's go right. back there. Like, like, I don't want to participate in this. And, and why just, was that like, even necessary? Why was that? It's it wasn't. not. But it's like so normal for us to say things right. like that. That yes. it's like we have to unlearn it and make it un make it abnormal to say harmful things about other people of color because we don't know what she's going through. Exactly. exactly. There have been, been many times I haven't been able to drive because I'm under distress or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not because I'm a black woman. Yeah. So I think also along with stepping up, physically stepping up, calling out our own families and stuff. So that way they know like you may say this in your home, but you can't say this around me. Exactly. Right. Like it's not right. okay for you to be talking even about and you really shouldn't be saying it to black people. Like <laughs> I cannot stand the, that gets I cannot nerves. stand, even when I think about the things that were said to me by my aunt, by um, family and friends about like um, just black people, like we can't mm-hmm. trust each other. Or I wish I was lighter mm-hmm. or like, girl, like, why are you going natural? You're already dark. Like, or even saying things when black people go, I can't stand black people that I don't like when they say things like that. Cause it's like, okay, like we can't work for each other. You're trying like, really? to, you're yeah. making this a joke, but it's, that's not funny. It's not funny. That's not funny. It's really and words matter and, and they manifest things. Exactly. They, they manifest things. And it's like all of that poison that you have spoken out. Like that's not okay. Now words. I gotta go sage. Yeah. Now <laughs> right? I gotta go sage. I gotta go to my altar. I gotta do all the things right, now. Right. I have to make, I have to talk to my ancestors and be like calling them in. Mm-hmm. Right. Into this space. Upset. Right. Yeah, exactly because you over here showing your natural ass like it's just mm-hmm. exhausting well, we all are just we are all struggling like struggle seriously it's all a struggle I, what i will say like i remember when i first moved up here people would be like oh country people i'm like girl country black people are still black people and i'm like, country fyi i'm uh, from the country yeah like <laughs> the country yes the country mm-hmm. okay so yeah i've milked a cow in, oh no, you way more country than I. That's for chickens, and I have worked with pigs. Like whatever, it's okay. I like it, we, I'm still black. I was still you are one with nature. I forgot, right? <laughs> but I, I was still not. extra black when I was dealing with that. And those white people that I was dealing with, exactly. right? They still saw me as very much a black person, mm-hmm. and even the way that they would teach me things and mm-hmm. treat me, and how I was working and, and interacting on that farm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I was still very much. The black person. The black person. I was also the black person when I needed protection for my hair and they didn't understand that my hair can't just be out in the sun like that. No. So yes, I'm about to wrap it or wear a hat. And they'd be like, oh, you're always wearing something on your head. And I'm like, oh, you're always I having can. these microaggressions. Like, this is, like, what is that about? <laughs> this is a lot. This is heavy every day, huh? Just right. early in the morning. This is how we're going to start. Okay. okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. You know, before Bye. coffee. Okay. Bye. So, yeah, we all out here struggling. We all out here just trying to make it. And we got to know our biases, right? And our our limitations because 
we are all participatory in this. Yes. So we need to know what our biases are and how we can combat them. Yes. That I love that. Point. That's the point. What is, that is what's the, the point. point for you, Jackie? Just a little. Give I us think a little what you all said is the point, the thing that I would like encourage further because you addressed it like on an interpersonal level, individual level, on a family level, but making sure that you're carrying all of these practices to institutions where you work. Mm-hmm. Um, play and serve and making sure that you are doing these things in all spaces. I think it's easy for us, particularly as millennials, like we silo a lot of what we do to certain like groups and spaces and places. And then as black women, we also have to compart like a lot of us compartmentalize certain parts of like who we are in space, but making sure that we are always showing up in those ways uh, is important to me. And I think that's like the thing that, uh, I would like community to do in some spaces is just be like, hey, we need to be doing this all the time right. in all spaces. So moving that behavior that Gabby and Joyelle like talked about in the mindset and the shift to all aspects right. of us and all of our functional areas in life is important. Um, and then also engaging in celebration, like seek out those things, but mm-hmm. also engage in the other work like the more heavy work in it so Mm -hmm. i take i try and take the effort to like know what else is going on in this space and making sure that i'm there in solidarity in these spaces with my brothers and sisters of different um of different backgrounds cultural backgrounds and that's why i highlighted the things that i know are going on in our area and those um, that are leading those things that are going on in our area and making sure that we're not just being bystanders, that we're being active participants, not in the harm, but in the help. Yeah. So Agreed. those are the things that like left rested on my heart. Um, and do your research before you go out and celebrate. And do your research. You know? Read. Yeah. Like if you can't read, listen, bruh, if reading is not for you, Netflix informed me oh this my gosh, week. Okay. Um, the TV informed me, YouTube. like Instagram, YouTube, like be informed and then parse through the information. Be a uh, active learner in digesting and processing for yourself. Yes. Um, where this applies to you in any intersections of and your life. And then also think about how you want people to interact with you. Exactly, knowing that yeah. horizontal hostility exists, knowing that, you know, black people can also be different forms of trash at times to other groups of color. Like, be mindful of, like, okay, I don't know what this Latina mm-hmm. experience, how can I ensure that I don't perpetuate some harm that she has experienced? You know, exactly. Just think about that. Like, how would you want to be treated? It's very simple. So Barney taught me These that. are golden so this, principles. That's, when I was um, little. Barney the uh, golden rule. Somebody, so somebody told me about the platinum. Have you guys heard of the platinum rule? Mm-hmm. So you have the golden rule, which is treat others how you want to be treated. Yes. And then you have the platinum rule is treat others how they want to be treated. And so like, also, I like that one, you know, like making sure that you treat them the way that they want to be treated as in like, however that looks and respecting who they are and their and honoring who they are. Right. Um, so to the, I, I get it. Yeah. At first I was like, what? But then I get it. So <laughs> essentially it's what I tell my family too. It's like, cause I'm also bi queer mm-hmm. and it's like, you don't have to understand, understand it right. to respect me. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or Manity. like, 
I've had lots of people who are like, I don't understand why we have to use they. That doesn't make sense. Oh Isn't it like plural? It's grammatically cor- incorrect. <laughs> you know what? Treat others how they want to be treated. Also, English them. is stupid. English okay. is a dumb language. It's Can harsh. we start there? It's ugly. Yeah. It's ugly. It doesn't make sense. It, it has no structure, rhyme, or so reason. Like, if we want to change it up, let's change it up. Yeah. But if, if someone says, whole, exactly, if someone says, whole. I want to feel, this makes me feel whole and as a human, Please call me this. Then why not do that? Why not do that? Why I don't not honor people's humanity and what they ask. I don't understand why you wouldn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Because they feel entitled to judge others. Exactly. Because it make, gives them more power. Exactly. Like, I need to tell you how to live because so many ideologies. Because I'm a man. Because Did I'm you Christian, watch the podcast I sent to you? I haven't watched any podcast okay. recently. We will have that conversation well, offline. We'll have well. that conversation <laughs> off air. But. I had that conversation uh-huh. last week. <laughs> so much synchronicity. Listen, all today. the universe, the universe and this beautiful day. everything you need. But I think we have reached our time. Oh, no. I, I have know. to leave. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I ain't no, gotta but go you gotta home, come, but, but I gotta, gotta get, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you have been an awesome guest. Yes, yeah. thank you for joining us. Yeah. This Thanks has been a great return. And we back. And we back. Hey. And we back. <laughs> Uh, I'm really excited. We are excited. Yes, uh, yes. University has some things coming down the pipeline in the terms of trainings. But I want to give Joyelle an opportunity to just again tell us who you are, tell us what you do, tell us, tell people how they can reach you, mm-hmm. and where they can catch you at if you if you can share. I know some stuff is under locks, but just. Anything that you would like to share with our audience before we step out and you step out and enjoy the rest of this beautiful day? Well, you can catch me on Instagram at Lavender Womanist or Harp and Sword Co. And again, I'm the founder of Harp and Sword. I'm a racial and gender justice strategist. I'm a uh, went to law school, had that, you know, JD oh, yeah. by trade. <laughs> um, doing all the civil rights, international human rights law for a while. Oh, what? Um, oh, what? You see how she just breathes right. by that. Yes, but it was I also organizer. Have um, I also have advocate. Beautiful skin. Uh, Do I know? I'm also I'm not even wearing makeup today. And, 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 yeah, it, like a beautifully inexplicable head wrap. Like so I'm veganish. If that matters for people, you know, I'm trying not to eat oppression as well. Mm. Um, and she just I... cinched off my edges. <laughs> well, bring them back, but they'll grow back in. Coconut oil. Um, But yeah, I do all kinds of work in Baltimore. I do a lot of work in Brooklyn. Um, If you're in New Orleans for New Year's, I'll be there. Otherwise, I can't really share any upcoming events yet that I have through our print store. But if you want to hang out, you want to chill, shake your ass a little bit with me, I'll be in New Orleans for New Year's Eve. And other than that, I'll catch you on another time. This is how I love my race and gender <laughs> activists in this phase. They also know how to shake that thing. Okay, listen. Uh, well, so that is us. That is us. And thank you, Joelle, again for your time. Uh, check out Community the the Community Podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Uh, we're here, Jackie and Gabby. Gabby. AKA displays of love. AKA displays of love. Oh, and I I didn't give you all my Insta, but it's Jackie uh, Low L O W six five two two. Um, and we're gonna be finishing our Doodle All Year project before the end of this year. So check me out. I will be drawing again. Sharpie, Sharpie sketches. Uh, but check out Community University on. Ooh, 
Twitter and Instagram, C O M M underscore university. And that's it. Money. 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 I get money. Money. I I get it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so offbeat. This is embarrassing. It's all right. We can harmonize together. We can fake it till we make it. The funny thing is, I know I can't. <laughs>